0: I'm Craig Parkinson, and this is the Two Shot Podcast. of the kettle on and let's dive in. Hello, how are you? Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm talking to you. Okay, that's good. How was yesterday? Right, and today's a bit better. Well, that's good. So look, it's the Two Shot Podcast. Happy New Year to you. We can, yeah, we can still say that just. We're on the cusp. You can't, you can't say it too long. Somebody, um, somebody was texting me the other day, and it was a work-related text, and, um... Obviously we hadn't spoken throughout the Christmas and New Year period because everything was closed down and we were having a bit of a rest. And this person was giving me some information about a job and I said, okay, that's cool, yep, got all that, thanks so much. Oh, Happy New Year, by the way. Text back, didn't, didn't reciprocate the, the Happy New Year. Don't don't really know what to do about that. Maybe I'll just stop saying it. Uh, anyway, time's come, you can't say it after the first week of Jan. That's about it, isn't it? So... I hope the new year is treating you well. So whatever you're doing, have a sit down, speed up that treadmill, pop that quinoa into your mouth, pop that chocolate into your mouth, put that glass of wine down, pick up that cup of tea. Whatever you're doing, I'm so pleased that you're doing it with us. There's many other podcasts out there. Apparently, uh, but we're back for twenty twenty three new year new start new guests. Um, yeah, I'm really excited it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year of conversation kicking off right now. so Lara Pulver is a British actress who now resides in l a, which is where I spoke to her via the Power. Of the internet, you heard about it. it's, it's clever um, you'll know Lara she kind of shot to fame uh, playing Irene Adler opposite uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss' Sherlock for BBC, prior to that she was in Spooks um, she did all sorts of fantastic stage work shocking um, up Olivia Awards left, right and centre but uh, it seemed a good time to talk to her because past two-shot favourite, the wonderful Parminder Nagra and Lara Pulver, star in a new ITV drama called Maternal, which starts on the 16th of January. I nearly this July, Ed, which in, in the year away there. Uh, 16th of January, Maternal, starring our Parminder and lovely Lara Pulver. So let's have a chat with her. This is the Two Shot Podcast. And this is Laura Pulver. Enjoy, and I'll see you at the end. Manchester to LA calling. Laura Pulver, how are you?
1: I didn't know you were in Manchester.
0: I'm in Manchester, yes, yes.
1: Why did, I thought Pominda said to me, you've moved to Hove.
0: No, ah, uh, yeah, no, it's all right. That, that's happening next year. <laughs> Which is should say, we should say, uh, the person we're talking about is a uh, past guest and mutual friend of ours, the, Wonderful Pomendanagra.
1: Pomendanagra. I feel like I should have, like, a cardboard cutout of her right here.
0: Well, to be honest, I was half expecting her just to pop up behind In you at some point coming. during yeah. this call. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. I should me. put
1: my phone on, do not disturb, otherwise I mean, be like,
0: just, are, you, are you home? All I'm saying is change your locks. You, you never know what's going to happen. Laura, <laughs> before we get started, and because we don't mm. know, we don't know each other, we haven't met before... No. Um, so, Laura Pulver, a good film or a good book?
1: Oh. Mm, right. I feel like a good book stays with me. A good film, I, I often forget, and that's terrible, isn't it?
0: Well, I don't think it's terrible, but...
1: But, but time-wise, a good film? Mm-hmm. Um, because I can have that ninety minutes or two hours to digest a good book can go on longer
0: and, st- and, like. and and stay with you longer. Sometimes also
1: stays with me longer because I do the whole read a chapter, start to fall asleep. So the next night, oh, got to go back, read the end of that chapter. It's not
0: You don't make that crucial mistake on a film set by taking a book, do you? I, I learned it many years ago. Never to do it, because there's there's two things that inevitably happen. I keep rereading the same chapter because of the stop and start and push and pull of a day of filming. Right. And the other quite annoying thing is when you're deeply engrossed in a book, somebody inevitably will come over and go, what are you reading? And you say, like, no, no, no. I don't want that. Uh, you've just broken. You've just broken me out. So you no, know, I stopped taking a book a long time ago.
1: I, I remember reading biographies that I felt were good. Um, good ins for characters, mm. um, but I somehow maybe it's because I'm only five foot three, and you're what
0: six foot four and a half, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a foot less than you to find a, a quiet corner, a hidden <laughs> corner, somewhere on a set where no one could ever find me. Um, where, yeah, you'd be an obvious. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, they need you.
0: I mean, um, usually I am. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, yeah. Laura, Saturday night or Sunday morning? Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Even being the mother of two uh, young children.
1: Oh, it, it depends. If it's a Saturday night with my husband, which is like out doing something really fun, and that feels quite rare, um, then it's the best tonic ever, Um, time together. um, But I also am a day bird rather than a night out, I guess. So Sunday mornings, making breakfast. This morning we had, like, it felt a bit like a Sunday morning. This morning we had the Christmas carols going. Oz is saying to my son, saying to me... Come on, mom! Five more shots on goal! Come on! while you're boiling the egg? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, while well, my daughter's saying, play doh, is play doh, um, and I kind of love it. And um, yeah, have
0: you always been? Love- have you always been a morning person? Uh, you know, as you say, a day bird.
1: I, I used to be someone that would literally bounce out of bed and and off I'd go
0: hmm.
1: um, and. Raza would be like, oh, just couldn't couldn't even open eyes until there was a cup of coffee kind of wafted <laughs> under his nose, um, and I think I was a little bit um, annoying probably in the first couple of couple of years um, because I'd be like, Vroom, the day, the day, um, and yes, then sleep deprivation came with um, being a mother, mm. and now I almost have to stop myself from getting angry at the fact that I haven't woken up by choice.
0: Yeah. That's, well, that takes a better time, doesn't it?
1: He's six. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in that case, what, one word, I, adoption. It's fine. Uh, let's go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, think I, I don't think my body can get used to something else externally waking me up. <laughs> um, um, so now I don't wake up with the same spring in my step. Um, I kind of, it's more like I get my pajama bottoms thrown at me to be put on to get out and, and Elf on the Shelf's missing, mummy, Elf on the Shelf is missing.
0: (sighs) This time Um, of year, I mean, it's all ramped up with the children, isn't
1: it? Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, I do love it. We, we went to Disneyland on Saturday and I've never, ever, I've lived in LA for 12 years, never been to Disneyland or Disney World or anything, Disney. Um, and a dear friend of ours who works for Disney was like, You haven't been to Disney? And in our email inbox the next day, tickets to Disneyland. And we were like, Oh my gosh, that's so unbelievably generous. Um, and she was like, Well, I've got a quota of tickets I have to use up before the end of the year. You must take the family. Um, uh, like, and we were-
0: after all these years, how was it? Because I- I've never been.
1: Oh, you've never been either? No, I, I, don't, I don't feel.
0: I've been to, I've been to LA about. <sighs> 12 years ago, for 48 hours. I was oh. I was in and I was out, and it's that's another story. Um, so I haven't even experienced it.
1: Oh, wow. Um, LA for 48 hours. What did you do in those 48 hours? I was
0: testing.
1: Oh, I see. One of those days.
0: Yeah. But we'll, look, we'll, I want to go on to... Uh, let's yeah. move on to Los Angeles later, and I don't know if this next... Quick queue is really going to be applicable. But uh, city shopping or a country stroll, there's no real country. stroll, I suppose height would hiking be in that.
1: Yeah, but I, I'm still very British. Of course I'm, you are. I'm back most, I'm back for like six months for nearly every year. Um, country stroll wrapped up, welly boots on or hiking hiking boots on. Um, I remember once actually going for a country stroll down somewhere near Brighton on my own thinking, I've got this, I've looked at the map, I'm following the public footpath signs. I turned a corner, 25 cows and a bull.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and just kind of like backing up really slowly, walking backwards and then just 100 meter sprint. Um, Country stroll, yeah. I'm a bit of an online shopper, I have to confess.
0: Well, I think we all uh, have become that at times, certainly over the past few years. That's a massive mug you're drinking out of, or is that just perspective? That's huge. No, it it is. That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I drink vats of tea. Vats. (laughs)
0: What kind of tea drinker are you? Are you a breakfast tea, or green tea, or white tea?
1: Or herbal. I cannot do caffeine.
0: I, uh, am I, I've never... I, look, people of this podcast know that I've never mm. drunk a cup of coffee in my life, and I've never drunk a a, a cup of breakfast, English breakfast tea ever. I am pure, and look, I love a glass of wine. I'm not saying I'm all pure, but... I do drink green tea in the morning and white japanese tea and herbal tea full stop that's all I drink.
1: I'm I'm totally like zero caffeine um and I don't know quite how I, I always loved the smell of coffee. Mm,
0: I don't mind it. I cook I cook with it. I make my girlfriend coffee. I don't mind it. It's just No
1: it's just, no. I just, um, and sometimes if I have a slight sore throat coming on and I can feel that kind of claggy, dry feeling in the back of my throat, to take a swig of boiling hot coffee, my husband's coffee, like feels like it burns things. But I once, very early on in our relationship, Raza loves coffee, my husband loves coffee. I was like, okay, please, can I try it? Can I just try it? And I tried two, two glugs of his coffee. And I had to run to the bathroom so fast. It is like <laughs> rocket fuel. That stuff. I don't know how people drink it. Um, and um, yeah, I know people swear by it. And good on them. I just
0: yeah. But I, we I, I, we whenever have you ever smoked, Laura?
1: I think, like, five times when I was 17, doing my dissertation, going, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. Mm.
0: Well, you know, I I used to smoke for a long time, and I, I started smoking, and my deputy headmaster, who probably listens to this, he definitely listens to this, will know, I'm sure he caught me many times. When you smoke at an early age, when you're a teenager, it's disgusting, but we... we mm we make ourselves get used to it you know and i'm sure that's the same with lots of things
1: yeah alcohol everything i'm sure like you don't you don't taste the beer and go Mm-mm.
0: no when you were having when you were having dregs of wine and beer at weddings when you were a kid they were the most awful things you were thinking what are you people drinking this for where yeah. where's the full fat coke that's what i want and
1: the sad thing is i don't think my body ever acquired those tastes because even now, as Pominda will attest to, I'll go, oh, do you want a glass of wine? Knowing that she will enjoy a glass Mm -hmm. of wine with dinner and I don't want her not to. Um, So I'll go, yeah, 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 I'll get a glass too. And I'm literally like two sips. The burn (laughs) happens in my stomach and I just push it across the table and she knows not to bother ordering a second glass.
0: (laughs) Well, in a way, I think that's pretty positive. That's pretty healthy.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It is, but... I sometimes feel a bit
0: square. Well, look, we're going to move on to L.A. and possible squareness in a minute. But I want to ask you one more thing Mm. that could be controversial, that is controversial. Do we, at the theatre, do we walk out at the interval or do we sit through it?
1: I mean, the silence
0: is deafening. Mm. Mm.
1: I'm trying to put myself in other people's shoes. I've never personally left at an interval, but I don't think I've ever felt so uh, uncomfortable or so disgusted or, or disappointed by something to leave. I think there's always been something that's made me, even if I'm willing it to be better... Yeah. If, even if I'm like, no, come on, come on, this it's got to get it's, it's got to get better.
0: <laughs> but but how do you feel with all the best with the, the best will in the world at the end, and you willed it to be better, you willed mm. it to be great, mm. and it wasn't, and you're crestfallen, and you're disappointed. Do you would you ever think well, do you know what? I actually could have left there and I could have done something that wasn't, better with my that time. was an hour of my
1: life. Yeah. Anyways.
0: Um. It's a tough one, isn't
1: it? it? Yeah, it is a tough one because I also feel like if I've bought the ticket, if I've taken the time to like buy the ticket, you know, organise a babysitter nowadays, or sit and, then um, I've kind of committed to that thing, mm-hmm. and there's something to gain from it. And I don't mean to sound like terribly square, <laughs> but that maybe there's something to be gained from it, or I'm meant to bump into someone. On my way out, I don't, I don't really I mean, know. Yeah,
0: well, know. in a way, what you're saying there, certainly what I'm taking from it is you're square. You, you no, know, <laughs> we, we're, we're going to come back to this. This has been mentioned quite a few times, report, but, Um <laughs> You're taking a positive out of a possible negative experience.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't mean I've not probably lent to rather 17 signs going and said, what are they doing? Why why would someone let them do this? Why would someone direct this? (laughs) Or that inner monologue still might have been going on. Um, Yeah.
0: Does the inner monologue stop, Laura? You know, as as an actor? I mean, because we're constantly, you know, when we're sitting having our cups of tea in Soho Mm. or Los Angeles or Manchester, wherever we are, and we're looking around and we're... We're looking at people, we're looking at couples, we're making up stories and scenarios because that's what we do, like constantly building. Do you think mm-hmm. that inner the inner dialogue ever stops
1: um I think it just is a volume control thing. I think I don't know if it ever stops Ah, man.
0: well, that's interesting, isn't it? because then we have to be controllers of the dial so yeah, I, I suppose yeah, I suppose the question is. Have you become a better controller of your own volume dial?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think I think as a species we have those instincts and we make those split decisions for life or death situations. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you want to be in touch with your instincts, um, but at the same time, you want to be present. Of and I think as an actor, if you're not present and you're not listening, then you're not doing your job. Yeah. Um, And it is distracting sometimes, whether in the theatre or on set, you know, when there's a gazillion people, you know, the props man's in the bath throwing water at you as if a child is splashing you, you know, all those scenarios that go on. And yet you have to remain completely focused and keep your concentration. Um, I'll never forget, actually, my husband was on a show called Code Black that played over here in America. I think it played in the States as well. And they had, like, four cameras, and it was all set in this kind of emergency room environment. And you could not hear your cue because there was just so much stuff going on and, on. and it was like doing a play. And yet they didn't have the rehearsal time of doing a play. And I remember him coming away going, oh, my gosh, is this a lesson in focus? Because you have to tune in to everything and everyone. Because sometimes your cue is coming from like 20 feet along the corridor. Mm-hmm. But it's running all on those four cameras the whole time. Um, and um, I remember him coming back just saying about that discipline that he'd learnt um, being on that medical show and I think it was similar on the show Pominder and I've just done for ITV Maternal because you've got so much going on that choreography it's like being on stage again it's like doing a show it's very proppy um, and so you've got to have a control of that volume dial otherwise I don't think you'd get through a take I think also in the world that, that we do with self-tapes as well because... Now it's like, can you give us a self-tape by tomorrow? Um, and so I feel like you have to be able to, with kids, napping, all that stuff, mm-hmm. go, I've got 20 minutes or 15 minutes to get this self-tape down, honour my job, present what I would, I would do with this role, and be proud of something. And I have to say, being a parent definitely makes me work more efficiently. So, yes, I think I've probably got a better control of that volume dial now than before I was a
0: mother. But being the mother of two small children and still, you know, having a very active career, and we're talking about self-tapes here, Mm -hmm. and you've got that small window, what if you're not happy with what's going on and that's it? You've only got 20 minutes. Are you going to send it? Are you going to go, actually, you know what, that's not a fair representation of what, I would want to put out or be in the room. So therefore Mm -hmm. I ain't going to send it because we all know that, uh, you know, it's like, well, you're only as good as your last job. You're only as good as that last self tape. So therefore Mm -hmm. I would sooner personally, you know, I would sooner not put it out there. Mm -hmm. Are you quite Mm -hmm. strict with yourself with regards to that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Palmetto calls me master edit. Because whenever Raz or Mindy or I do a self tape, they always give it to me to edit. Because within the first ten seconds, I'm like, no, nope, okay, got it. Next one. There's a moment. There's a moment. There's a moment. Twenty seconds in, where I do this really beautiful beat, and I'm like, hun, they won't get to that twenty seconds. Next.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're ruthless. This is good. Yeah, I am this quite ruthless.
1: Yeah, but but I'm also I'm also generous in this generous. I'm also understanding of saying. If you want them to see that beat, great. Send it as a second take. Send it as an alt. But they're not going to get to that that mm-hmm. that beat. And I think that's just that's just life. You know, people work at such speed. People's focus and concentration is just not there in the way it used to be. So, to come back to your original question, would I send it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. No, I would honour it, or I would call my agent and just say I haven't been able to make this happen by tomorrow. Can can. Also, the time difference sometimes helps because I can do something at night that will still get in my agent's inbox by the next morning. Of course. But I can sometimes... It's funny, that's what happened with Sherlock, weirdly, because I rapped on Spooks (laughs) in London. I flew back to LA the next day reading the Sherlock script on the plane. And I literally sat on the plane going, turn this plane around! I have to play this role, I have to play (laughs) this role. I got off the plane, I spoke to my agent, and I said, look, I'm going to put a self-tape down now, and get it over to you. If it's in the ballpark, I will jump on a plane back. I will just turn turn the ship around. If when if we're not in in you know in contention here, there's no no um, appetite for what I'm offering, then um, then fine. Then I've not wasted time, money, etc. Getting on a plane to go back. Um, and um, fortunately for me, 24 hours later, I was on a plane back. <laughs>
0: It's interesting that you've jumped onto that because it's what I wanted to come on. It is about the time frame of where we are and geographically where we are within that time frame because you spoke about Spooks there, you spoke about Sherlock. And even when I speak to actors on this podcast, we don't necessarily talk about jobs and in anecdotes because it's not inclusive to our audience at all. However, a British actor who... Was steadily on the climb with her career. Mm-hmm. The jump to LA for me—I've always thought of—is pretty much a reinvention. You're starting again. So, talk me through why that 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 change happened when everything was was working and going in the right direction.
1: Hmm. Mine was kind of twofold. Okay. So I did parade at the Don Mar opposite Bertie Carvel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um That final um, season of Michael Grandage's all came over to Los Angeles because I don't know if it was co-produced, or, but we all came over. So Alfred Molina in red, uh, Jude Law was doing... H- Henry, I think it was. No, Henry. I, I was doing Henry. I, uh,
0: right, he was doing one of them.
1: Um, he was doing one of them. Um, and me and Bertie were doing parade. So they all came over for, like, a 12-week run, I think it was, over here in, in Los Angeles. Um, unfortunately, timing-wise, Bertie was already committed to something at the Armida, at the so he couldn't come. Um, I already had my green card, I came, um, and I was lucky enough to to play here.
0: So, Loris, back- sorry to interrupt you, you already had your green card, is that because... <laughs> The wheels were already in motion. This is where you wanted to be, or...?
1: Um, um, Twofold again. So um, I met my first husband, Josh Dallas, in London. Mm -hmm. He trained at Mountview Theatre School, but he was originally from Louisville, Kentucky. Right. Um, We'd been dating for about... Four years, I think, when Parade happened, he'd asked me to marry him. And then Rob Ashford, our wonderful director of Parade, said, have you got your green card yet? Um, um, And I said, oh, no, no, I should get on that, though. Not with necessarily an intention of living in America, but Josh and I would come every summer and spend six, seven weeks with his family in Mm -hmm. Liverpool, Kentucky. Right. So I think had to have the opportunity to live in either place, married to an American, made sense. Of course. So that's why my green card was um, in place. Then uh, we came out, I did parade. Off the back of parade, I got True Blood, which is one of the few dramas that um, were shooting here in Los Angeles. Um, So um, I was here in and out of True Blood for about a year. Um, Shot here in LA, as I said, was for HBO. Alan Ball, amazing. Of course. Um, And I just had a lovely time working with Stephen Moyer, a fellow Brit, Anna. I had all my scenes with Anna. Um, So I kind of just rode it. I didn't kind of go, oh, I'm coming to L.A. It just
0: kind of happened. So at this point during True Blood, were you sort of bouncing back and forth between L.A. and back home?
1: Um, A little bit come season three, like my third season on the show, yes. Mm. Um, by that point i 'd come back and done spooks i think i'd I think i 'd come back and film sherlock, but it hadn 't aired yet and I remember coming back and doing my last episode that Stephen Moyer was directing of True Blood and um him saying, Hun, I just saw sherlock I was like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um and um yeah so um so yes i was yeah, I was bouncing back and forth and then sadly um my relationship um with Josh ended um and I did not want to be in Los Angeles. I didn't want to be anywhere near America. I just had this association with everything to do with him being Mm -hmm. American. Of course. Was him. This was his land. That was my land. I I came home. The carpet had been pulled up from under my feet. And I went home back to my bedroom that I was a teenager in, eating bowls of cereal, watching episodes of Friends. Right, so
0: you went home, home. You went back You home. went back to, you went, yeah. you went home to Roost, right, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. And I'd been fortunate enough that when I had been here for that time during Parade and True Blood, I'd met just this gang of really lovely, mostly, most Brits, most expats, um, who had had a similar journey or had chosen to come to L.A. for work. Yeah. Um, there was about a dozen of us, um, and headed by Tamara Notcut, who is British, but a casting director over here, um, who would always seem to bring us all together. Randy Hiller, another casting director who's American, but was British in sensibility and, and humor, a sense of humour. And, and so um, all that gang was so fantastic when that relationship went south, sending emails, you know, checking in. Um, and Raza, my now husband, was one of that gang. Um, Raza, I knew was like one of that gang, but I didn't know him, know him. I know him, I knew him socially as, Mm. as one of, one of that, that group. And then, um, uh, yeah, they were brilliant. I just kind of calling and saying, Hey, you had a career here in Los Angeles. So if you want to come back out, Personally, you do what you want, but Pro- professionally, you know, come. Don't don't
0: yeah. shut the door on yourself. Yeah, but Laurie, you also had a career back in the UK, mm. so, yeah. So, and also you've got family and, and everyone and everyone here. So
1: everyone. So then, in the second kind of transatlantic turning point came when I um dear friend of mine, theatre director and theatre actress, um, a couple, um, when that relationship ended, said to me, you know, I think you should go and do this um, meditation course down in Brighton that I did a year ago. And I was like, yeah, 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 um, I'm just not in that headspace. Um, I did everything to put this thing off that I didn't want to face. Mm. I was like, yeah, no, I've got, I've got... Sherlock Press. I've got this. I've got got this audition. And then weirdly that week, everything fell away. Dates got pushed. uh, Dates got moved. And I had this then long week that just opened up. And I remember just going, oh, fuck, I think I'm just going to do a meditation course
0: (laughs) in Brighton.
1: (laughs) Well, it was absolutely life changing. It was Totally life changing.
0: If you can, can you talk me through it or give me some glimpses or aspects about that?
1: Yeah, it was a group session of five or six people from
0: all strangers, all
1: complete strangers. Wow, which was like my worst nightmare. Um, and it was a long weekend. It was Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, Monday morning. And then you came back the following weekend as a check-in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I got an Airbnb in Brighton. And I loved just sitting on the on the, the beach that time, like over that time, and just having time and journaling and processing this kind of grief of going into a divorce at 30 and all, all that, that was. Um, it was, it was called Turning Point the actual course, and it was run by a wonderful man called Mark Reeves, who I still speak to to this day. Um, And it was so informative and so, you know, in in my head I was being terribly judgmental. What do I have in common with this person that's got horrific OCD? You know, what do I have in common with this person? And I was, I just had all these um, fixed thoughts in my head. Mm Of, of, of what this was, and they cracked them open um, because we're all bloody one and the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everyone's life experience, you can suddenly see when you go through these different, um, not an experiment, like these different... Um,
0: In regards to what you're feeling going into that world or meeting these people?
1: No, like, like Mark would guide us through different not act, kind of activities, I guess you would say. Right. Um, and sometimes he would use one of us, and it would it would be such an eye-opener to think you had nothing in common with this person that was 30 years your senior with horrific OCD, for example.
0: And then all of a sudden and he would show you something and you would completely connect with that other person. And you
1: could suddenly see right. how you could end up exactly where that person is, mm-hmm. because... You know, we're all one and the same. We're all just bouncing energetic balls who have got this body as a vehicle to be on on this planet with for this time. And you go, oh, I'm two steps away from being that if I choose to. And and what wonderful support and mirrors we could all be to each other and what gifts. Anyway, cut a very, very long story short. Um, by the end of these four days, and we would do probably about two or three different types of meditation through the days, along with these activities. Um, The final meditation um, wasn't guided. We just sat with our own thoughts for 20 minutes. And I was someone who had never meditated before, before doing this this course. And um, I remember as part of this meditation, I was just kind of dancing through Central Park. I, Lara, was just dancing through Central Park, almost a bit singing in the rain, like round a lamppost. And then I sat down on this park bench that happened to be a gurney. I was handed a child. And Raza's head was over my right shoulder. No. As the father, I swear to you, as the father of this child. So I finished this meditation and, you know, Mark brought us round. And after every meditation, he'd say, you know, is there anything anyone wants to share, any thoughts? And I was always open to sharing anything because I felt like we all gained from, from sharing. Um, and I'd broken through the barriers of thinking I was different. Um, but there was something that happened in that moment that I I felt kind of paralysed. It was really weird. Um, and Mark said to me, is there anything you want to share? And I said, no, I think I need to process this one, and I felt giddy inside, like this teenager that was feeling something. I just felt really giddy, and yet it was ridiculous. And I remember calling my dearest friend, um, who's originally from Warrington but lived down in London. I went to drama school with her, and I said, "I think I'm. I think I'm meant to be with Raza Jaffrey <laughs> now." Braza is someone that I'd probably spent a handful of times in a room with, maybe two conversations with. Um, bizarrely, in spooks, unbeknownst to me, I was in his dressing room and there was a picture of him and that cast on the wall. So I was like, via osmosis, did something of in? <laughs> in, in, that, in the BBC studio at that time. Um, but it was really weird, but it was so strong I don't know if you've ever had, like, this, I think I'm meant to do this about anything, but it was really strong. And and as a person, I, I, I don't say I get it a lot, but when I get it, I, I can't not listen to it. Like, the volume is loud. And had it happened
0: prior to this?
1: No. Has- I Hadn't thought of... Him romantically in any way? No, no I, oh, I, 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 d- no. Oh, I, I don't, mean. I don't, don't
0: just you. mean just mean with mm. with that with Raza, but I mean uh, with a feeling so strong that you had to act on it. No, has it
1: happened?
0: Has it happened since? Yes, yes. So When did this happen again, the, this such strong feeling and impulse that it had to be acted upon?
1: Um, I, I had it most recently on Maternal. There were two occasions on this job that I've just shot for ITV.
0: Well, let's, talk, let's just talk about this show quickly, because you, have, mm-hmm. you came over this year to shoot mm-hmm. with our good friend, Parminton Agra, for yes. the new ITV show called yes. Maternal. Um, just briefly tell me what, what's going on with that show. Uh huh.
1: Um, it's a six part of Friday TV airing in January. Um, it's written by Jackie Honus Martin, who is originally from the theatre world, and this is her first TV show. It is about three women returning to frontline medicine within the NHS after being on different lengths of maternity leave. Um, it is so bloody funny. It's witty. It's quietly political, and heartbreaking, and it was just everything I would want in a in a in a job and in a script. You know, when you read something, you go, "Oh, this has got every bit of the ingredients." Mm-hmm. So then you just hope that then the recipe comes together. And, it, and I and I think I, it has. <laughs> I
0: think it has because I only know this. Um, uh, because I know about the casting process of this.
1: Ah, yeah. Do
0: you do you want to divulge in exactly how all this happened? Because it's really interesting and really and, f- and, re-
1: and weirdly rare. I guess <laughs> really from, from, from,
0: yeah. really well. I don't, we don't know, do we? Because we are not we on the side. No. But the fact no. that um, you all and you're the, you know the edit manager of Self Tapes. Um, I'll I'll let you take this story away.
1: So my agent felt really strongly about this script. She was like, it's fantastic. And you are Catherine, which I didn't know whether to take as a compliment or not. But um, that's another story. Uh, And I read it. I was like, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And I was due to do a producer session uh, with our wonderful exec and lead director, James Griffiths, um, and casting director, Amy Hubbard. I'm always worried about internet glitches on those. And, you know, we've all done two years now of tapes and Zoom meetings and stuff. Jackie's writing is so blooming pacey and is all about the timing. And I thought, if there is any glitch, it's on the floor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I said, Mind, can I can I ask a massive favour? Now, Paminda is someone who I've been mates with for 12 years. We've never worked together and we don't really ever talk or do work together because we've not met from that world, Mm -hmm. which is kind of weird. Raza and her had done a play together 20-ish, even maybe more years ago. And I met her through originally through through that kind of LA gang when I first came out here. Um, So it's always been about life with Mind. It's not really been about work. Pandemic hit. We did some self-tapes together. We were in a little quarantine bubble. She was also an absolute angel, because I had a second child during the pandemic. Um, and I had said to her, will you read opposite opposite me for this? Because then I know at least, timing-wise in the room, it will be in sync. She's like, yeah, you know me. And she's like, yeah, of course, it'd be nice, yeah.
0: And for those listening at home, Laura, mm-hmm. when you, you're you asking Pum and to read uh, offlines with the scene, just so people who are not in our yeah. industry know... That's not that she's on camera at all. She's off camera, isn't she? So she's it's, off camera. So it's, ju- actually, it's just the voice.
1: It's, 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 yeah, it's the voice, the energy, it's the eye line as mm-hmm, well. Yeah. Playing the scene. Um, and, um, yeah. And, and you also need someone. I often think that it's, it's really helpful if they totally get the piece. And I knew for this particular piece, Mint was perfect. So perfect that after the hour session, um, she gets the phone call of, how would you feel about playing opposite Lara to play Mariam? <laughs> now, talking of instincts, coming back to this, I went back to my text messages. I'd sent her the script the day I read it because I thought she'd be brilliant for Mariam.
0: Mm. Not, not that you but said she... that, though, did you? You didn't say that in a text, did you?
1: I, I sent it oh, to Oh, you did
0: say that. Right, okay, yeah. right, right.
1: yeah. Wow. But she, like, had other stuff. She was, There the other eyes yeah, in the oh, fire for her. She and, and, and she was doing lots of other
0: things, I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. And,
1: and lo- logistically, she had a, a lot going on, uh, personally. Um, and she was like, oh, yeah, no, actually, I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to read this. And so she, she read the character, she liked it. And for her producer's session, my husband read opposite her because all of her scenes, well, the majority of her scenes for the producer's session were with the character of her husband. yeah. So Raza, read opposite her for those. Mind and I get the call the next day about, you know, or whenever it was, saying, you know, we'd love you to play Catherine and Mariam. Um, and then I get a phone call about how would you feel about ever working with your husband, with Raza? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'd love to work with Raza. He's, he's brilliant. We were offered the opportunity to do a stage job together a couple of years ago, couldn't logistically make it work with the kids, um, but how wonderful. And Raza presumed it was to play the role he read with Pomenda. Mm. and I said, "No, I think you're more of a Jack, and Jack's quite um, obnoxious and arrogant." <laughs> <He's> like, <"Bang,
0: laughs> cheers. Thanks, thanks for the compliment. Thanks,
1: thanks. Um, so, um, and they called and went, "No, no, no, we mean Jack, who is my um, counterpart in the series." Right. Um, and um, so, the three of us packed ourselves and our families all up flew to liverpool and did the most amazing 4 5 months of the summer altogether
0: now lara it's hard enough as a parent doing what we do as a career mm-hmm. But, you know, I've turned jobs down because my son's 11 and I'm not going to mm-hmm. go away for four, six months at a time and leave the country. But, you know, obviously I move around and so does his mum. His mum's an actor mm-hmm. as well and he's always known that, that one of us is always going to be there at some point. Mm-hmm. But you're <laughs> you've got two young children and both of you are on the same series and... You're moving countries. How on earth do you get your head around that? Is it, is it family support? Or how does, it, how does it all work? And I'm presuming it's the first time it's happened.
1: Yeah. It's the, we've normally tag team work. Mm-hmm. And I also was happy to be a stay-at-home mum for massive chunks of the last five years and just keep my toe in work. Um, I felt like it was a chapter in my life that was only going to be for a limited amount of time. Um, And I remember saying to Raza when I was pregnant with our first, I'm not sure what I'm going to want to do after this. I'm not sure whether I'm going to want to be an actress again. I'm not sure if I'm going to want to pop this baby out and be back on set the next day. Like, I don't know, but if it's cool with you, I'm going to be open and just surrender to whatever. It's going to happen. Um, And I've got to tell you a funny story based on that. So... I'd auditioned pregnant for two jobs over here in the states. I ended up having 36-hour labor and an emergency C-section. 3 days or 4 days afterwards, I got the call saying that one of the jobs I'd auditioned for it was it was kind of a done deal, I just had to go and do the screen test. Right. <laughs> it was to play a Marvel action
0: hero. <laughs> okay. They wouldn't,
1: they couldn't show me the script uh-huh. because it was top secret.
0: Uh, of course it is.
1: They needed to shave my hair mm-hmm. because it was to play Medusa. Right. So needed to CGI, like, grow hair.
0: So for the test. Yeah, OK. It needed
1: to be in and out, in and out hair, so the hair needed to go. hmm And it was shooting in Hawaii. And I was like, well, one out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, ah. And I, I remember being on this phone call. I think I was actually breastfeeding my son at the time, post-C-section, going, mm-hmm, uh-huh, Okay, writing all this information down. And my God, love my husband, he just looked at me and went, How on earth do you think you're going to be able to make that happen? I think I was still like on some sort of oxytocin high.
0: Yeah.
1: He's like, This is an action hero. You've just had emergency C section. How? And he, he said, If you want to do this and I can support you in making this happen, we will, but I don't know how. You physically, do physically, this.
0: how the hell are you going to do that with an emergency yeah. C section? You need yeah. to rest. You're and not going to split open the sunroof again, for fuck's sake. No,
1: no. And also, also I'd been saying to him, you know, I want to breastfeed, it's working. Da, 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 so, so, how does that happen? It was just, I was just entering a whole new chapter. And yet, I was going, yeah, I can do everything. Um, and there was another one where they was like, Will you come in, back and test for this job? And it was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, so talking about moving family. Mm. And in L.A., you know, if one of us is working, the other one can work. In New York, that could happen. In London, that could happen. In um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, there's very little that one could do as an actor, a partner of an actor. And I will never forget my, my agent at the time, on loudspeaker in the car while I was breastfeeding my child and Raza was driving me to this test deal, saying, um, well, look, I've had another client who's worked in Albuquerque, Mexico, and they ended up getting a farm with the family. You know, Raza could raise goats. (laughs) (laughs) And I literally looked at at my husband and he was was like, yeah, with all my Pakistani roots, I could start (laughs) raising goats in New Mexico. Um, so there was a massive wake-up call that happened within that first week of becoming a parent. Um, I chose to not do either either job, <laughs> um, uh, but when this opportunity came around, my children are still relatively young. My yeah. daughter one, my son five. Um, it was over the summer holidays, so it didn't feel like I was I wasn't taking him out of school. So the mum guilt was gone. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Back home, they have their aunties, their uncles, their grandparents, their cousins. So whenever they go back to England, that is what they're surrounded by.
0: So you're, 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 you're rallying the troops.
1: Second tick, um, with Raza and I both doing the job, we were like, okay, I think it's time to get childcare for the first time. So we hired a nanny for the first time, which was life-changing. Um, and interestingly, a dear friend of ours who is extremely successful, has always said she's a better parent because she works and has help. Um, and I, for some reason, was rallying against that. I was like, no, 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 I'm supposed to be a stay-at-home parent but still try and be an act. I, d- I don't know why I was fighting it so badly. And I just felt conflicted all the time. Nothing was working harmoniously. And I was like, mm. um, got help. And I was like, ah, I get it. There's no conflict. I'm either at work and I have put in the hours and the love and everything that my children are so um, secure that they can be with this nanny for half a day a day. And they are absolutely fine actually having way more fun probably than with me. Um, and there was only four occasions, I think, in the whole summer that I didn't get home for bath and bed, which was amazing when you're leading a TV show. Um, We didn't work weekends. Um, So it was, everything was compartmentalised for me as a mum. Like I was either at work or I was with the family. There was, I I didn't feel like I was being called.
0: No. um,
1: Which was such a nice feeling.
0: It's such a, and Um, also Laura, it's such a fortunate position for you both to be in, to be able to work and be creative and also have the income to afford nanny because there, you it's know, there are so many people in in our position in our line mm. of work who are so talented and so creative mm. and so just they they deserve to work so much and mm. and they can't balance it and whether they have the support of 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 a a great husband like you have mm. or you know they're a single parent and they're still mm. still trying to make a living as an actor mm. it's so mm. difficult right now
1: yeah it's it this 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 job was a gift in that sense, because I think if only one of us had been doing it, I'm not sure in my head I could have justified paying for childcare. No, It was almost because we were both on the job. Mm -hmm. In my head, I was like... One of the wage goes to child... like in my, I, I, like I was.
0: But, I was but, trying... But also, it seems like it was um, it was it was a, a need because you were both doing it. You both wanted yeah. to do something, and if you're all going to be together as a collective, as a family, then yes. therefore part of of that income will go to, to be supporting our our family. I mean, it's t- yeah. um, you know, it's the obviously the right thing to do, you know,
1: and and also. By rather and I time, because in in five years I can probably count on one hand the night outs we've had, and that's obviously because we've been through a pandemic and and everything else. But we're very good at doing nights in together. Yeah. But but um, that's how you have a second child. Sorry, I can't can resist that one. <laughs> but um, but, um uh, but you know what it's like. The the phone can ring, and one of you is pulled in a different direction, and, and if you don't capitalize on the time you do have together it's gone yeah um and and so to have we had a live-in nanny which was amazing so if we wrapped on set and it was already past the kids bedtime to call and just say are you cool if Raza and i walk home tonight together across sefton park during the summer Mm. maybe even grab a bite to eat on the way home now again it happened probably twice the whole summer yeah but have that opportunity as a couple was just wonderful
0: but you know that's and the also thing, that's, coming back to it it's healthy for your relationship at, you know
1: mm.
0: not uh, just put your kids aside for a second you're still you're still a husband and wife and you're together so you've got to make time and put away the job put away the kids you're still mm. two people who still have yeah. to maintain a relationship
1: yeah and i i'm I strongly believe that you've got, you know, the two individuals, the couple, and then the family, mm-hmm. and and if the the foundation of the selves or the foundation of the couple is it, you know, it 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 feeds it bleeds through.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, having
1: having come from a family where my mom and dad separated, you know, I was very aware from a very young age that that my mum and dad weren't happy, and and um, so yeah, and I'm by the way, Roger and I thankfully are are not in. Not in that situation, far from it. But coming back to what you said about, you know, being able to afford that for ourselves, I think also for whatever reason, I was fortunate enough that I had children slightly older and later in life and I had worked, I had a 20-year career Mm -hmm. where I'd worked and had afforded myself the time. You know, I hadn't been, you know, I'd been sensible. I'd been um, smart with money when I had <laughs> earned it, when I had worked. So therefore, to take the time out to be a stay-at-home mum, or you know, and still it was tight. Yeah. You know, still. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's 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 blooming hard, and I have to say, then playing a surgeon and working, um, uh, you know, alongside real-life surgeons. Knowing their salary, their childcare bill, their costs it's just it, it, it blew my mind yeah of course these people are working in you know life or de- life or death situations on pittance, and we offer them a clap it 's like
0: no
1: well, wonder they 're striking well hence you know, well,
0: hence why we've we 've got these strikes. Um Laura, I'm it seems discussion. that it seems that naturally our our conversation this mm. evening has become about, about family, really, and about connection. Um mm-hmm. which I love, I love when these things happen. Because they always do. They always just organically grow and, and morph yeah. into what we want to talk about. Um but sort of to end on, how are you both? And I'm sure I'll speak mm. to Raza about this at some point surely he's going to come on this podcast and talk to me. (laughs) Now he has to. How are you with, and you can only speak for yourself on this, how are you with Raza going away to work? Because of you both doing what you do and the connection that you all have as a family, and there's obviously a a fantastically um, open dialogue about it.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: How are you within yourself, um, dealing with two children when, you know, your other support goes away for, for a, a period of time?
1: I miss Raza terribly when he's away. Um, I did before we had children, to be honest. Um,
0: so it hasn't, it, I, I suppose, did I, it must have changed, though, with, with regards it to the workload. Yeah.
1: It, it absolutely has changed. I think before, I think because of what, we'd both been through We've both been through similar situations of coming together after divorce. Um, we have a very, I'm very proud to say, we have a very healthy, open relationship. I don't mean open as no, no, other people come in. Let's
0: not
1: get that to bed drink.
0: right now. I mean, not put it to I, bed. No, that sounds awful. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the sense that, Every everything is said. Everything is voiced. Everything is given space to be voiced, knowing that it's you know it's no one's going to get defensive. It's just a conversation. He is my best friend. He is the person I want to debrief every with every night. He I fancy the blooming pants of my husband, and I think he's also brilliantly talented. Uh, I'm very aware that he often makes choices career wise that are non-creative choices, as one sometimes does, to support this family. Absolutely. Which I'm hugely grateful for. And the, the sacrifice of that is mean he has to go away. Um, and um, that was particularly hard during our second, um, when we had our second child, because um, he was filming in Vancouver. We were in second lockdown. And he was given, thankfully, he was given a 10-day window to come home. I ended up having to have another C-section, um, and five days after she was born, he had to go back to Vancouver to quarantine for two weeks before he could even film.
0: <sighs> right, you know, yeah.
1: Everyone f- went through stuff. Of and course, that w- that was by not you know, it was it was nothing in comparison to what other other people and families went through during the pandemic. But um, so I was at home with a with a five day old baby, a four year old, um, and. It was kind of wonderful because I just went with it. There's nothing you can do. Like I felt like I was this Laurel Canyon hippie with a baby on the boob and a (laughs) four-year-old just doing art projects in the garden. And and then I will never forget Pomindanaga, our dear friend, who was like bringing over food for me and, and taking my son kindly to nursery in the mornings. Um, to give me that window to go back to bed. She walked in one day and I felt like mother nature when she walked in the door. I was like, yeah, my boobs are making milk, my baby's growing. And she walked in the door with my son, who she'd kindly picked up from nursery as well that day, as as well as dropping him off. And she walked in, she looked at me and she went, okay, Oz, we're going to go to the park in a kind of really like high-pitched voice. And she left and I was like... What? And she was like, "Hun, your hair, your Jufro was bigger than I've ever seen it. You looked slow, so, so sleep-deprived. I was just like, she, 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 she's got to go back to bed. Um, and, hey, that's why she's my best friend. But that time was hard, and I think it was probably harder for Raza than what it was for me, because he just had a baby, and then five days later, he was in Vancouver. He came back a month later... And then he was gone again for the sake of our family to, this, to France.
0: For how for, long? Four
1: months. Four months. Solid. Yeah, we didn't see him for four months. Um, from She was about four or five months old when he went. And then when, she, when he saw her again, well, she was ten, 10 months old, <laughs> nearly a year old. Um, now, we live in an age of FaceTime, thank God. Um, so we were on with him every day, twice a day, four times a day. Um, but I was then... We, we we did as a family. We all went to London as a family so that um, I could have the support of my mum. Yeah. Um, and, um, and also because they'd never met our youngest. And also, geographically, we were the other side of a channel from Raza in France mm. rather than...
0: Of course, yeah.
1: 5,000 miles away. Yeah. Um, and then... I got offered a job straight away <laughs> when I landed back in the UK. And I remember looking at my mum going, Well, I can't make, I can't do that right now. And she said, I think it's really important you try and make it happen. Um, God love my mum. And so I, the, the job consolidated my dates into like 16 days over six weeks, I think it was, or eight weeks. And um, between my mum, my sister in law, we kind of somehow made it happen and I got to go and knock out a BBC series (laughs) and, um, and yeah, it was, it's, it's nuts, but it has raised a big maternal, especially. It was such a gift that we all got to do that together as a family. It's raised massive questions for Raza and I about going forward, about what we do, because, we want to be together as a family unit. The whole, the whole family operates better. Um, everyone's happier. Can that always be done? No, of course it's not. And Raza's dad was a ship's captain, and he'd be away at sea for six months at a time, and my mother-in-law would be work- looking after four children. Um, so um, everyone makes sacrifices. Um, and I think the children benefit from knowing that mummy and daddy do a job that we love and so sometimes we are not around for a day or two um but as as a family we're totally readdressing where we are in the world that makes the most sense for what we want what we do and what we love to do what we want to continue doing and yet what's right for our family and for our children um and yeah it's been it's been a the last six months have been big questions for us as a, as a family, which, uh, you know, part of growing up.
0: <laughs> yeah, and hopefully uh, you'll get all those answers soon, but it all sounds very healthy. Lara Pulver, thank you yeah. so much for spending Pleasure. time. Um,
1: Pleasure. Gosh, that time goes faster.
0: It always does. <laughs> but um, I, I, hope to, uh, I hope to meet you in person and have a cup of tea with Pom and Dinagra. We will. All right. Loads of love. Take care. Thanks. And a brand new guest for a brand new year is done. Um, Hopefully we're going to be recording lots, lots more with a little bit of downtime that I have. And I'm just lining up a very exciting comedian to come and speak with me. And hopefully he'll be with you next week, as will I. And I hope you are too. So look, until then, be kind to yourself. January isn't a kind month. So uh, yeah, we'll be here to uh, wrap up that duvet around you. Make sure you lift those weights a bit heavier. Whatever it is you're doing, you're doing it with the Two Shot Podcast. And we're grateful. So until then, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been Producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. I'll see you next week. You take it easy. The Two Shot Podcast was presented by me, Craig Parkinson. Recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. The remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor. Cheers.